are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday, September 10th edition of Locked On Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time. With NFL Game Pass, see all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. And are you ready for some football? Folks, there is an NFL game on tonight. The Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And as always here on Locked On Dolphins, go frickin' Chiefs. Because we are actively rooting. I Listen, Deshaun Watson might be my favorite individual non-Miami Dolphin in the entire NFL. I love the way this man plays football. He's incredibly intelligent. He's incredibly accurate. He's incredibly athletic. His eye, his artist, artistic eye for the game of football is unbelievable. But you can bet your ass if Miami has their first and second round pick this year, I am rooting for the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson to go 0-16 with everything in me, every ounce of my being as a Dolphins fan. Go Chiefs tonight. I trust you'll make the right decision yourselves. And it won't be too long before the Miami Dolphins have a game of their own to play. This Sunday, they are playing the New England Patriots in Foxborough. And as a result, we're... Featuring a little bit of a crossover pod today with our friend Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots to hear from Mike about some of the fresh dynamics of what the heck's been going on in Foxborough. We obviously know there's been a ton of change and a ton of fresh faces, but what does the team look like entering week one? That's the pressing question that we need the answer to. So we're going to tap into Mike's expertise. But today is power to the pod. Thursday edition, and I got several questions from listeners, both via iTunes reviews and via social media. So we got plenty to talk about today. We're going to start with the iTunes reviews and work our way forward. There were some residual takes that were left over from ahead of last week's episode on Tuesday uh, that did not show up in my queue in time to read. So we're going to start with the most Dated review I have not addressed on iTunes reviews, work my way forward, and then we'll get into Twitter questions. And then we'll hear from Mike from Lockdown Patriots. So, first question to address comes from BMF777. Amazing job with the podcast, Kyle. Thank you. What do you think the Laramie Tunsil deal would have looked like had Jadavion Clowney been a part of the trade? Hail to Pitt. Okay. So, that's a great question. You know, compensation with Clowney being a piece of the puzzle. I certainly think it would have softened the blow from Houston as far as returning future picks to Miami. Miami sends, maybe the Dolphins don't have to include Kenny Stills in this deal. Um, And maybe the Dolphins only get two ones and Clowney back. So, it could have been Tunsil for two ones, Clowney and Julian Davenport. You know, maybe there's less player assets that are involved 
and the, the Texans get to keep their two in 2021. I don't think, because here's the thing, as we've seen throughout the course of this summer, Clowney was always going to be a risk for any team who takes him on because you were going to have to try to iron out a long-term deal, and Clowney's perspective of himself as a player coming into the offseason, he said, you know, I want a market reset contract. Well, he didn't get a market reset contract. He got a one-year $12 million deal with up to $15 million of incentives from the Houston, or from the Tennessee Titans. But if you were going to lock Clowney in on the long-term deal, A, wanted to play for you, B, you had to meet his outrageous price point. And like, I don't think the Dolphins were ever going to do that, to be completely honest with you. So his value as a player who was on a franchise tag was going to have to play the year on the franchise tag and had some of the, okay, you know, is he going to buy into what we're doing? Those kind of questions. I don't think Clowney would have been like an asset that would have prevented Houston from having to send over, continue to send over like a boatload of picks. So I do think the Tunsil deal still would have had the same main core assets traded in the two ones. Uh, but the supplementary stuff, maybe Miami sends less back and in turn gets doesn't get a second-round pick. Dolphin Ray. Kyle, love the show. Don't need anything from you. Just wanted to give you a compliment. I'd give you six stars if I could. Dolphin Ray, officially my favorite listener of the show. Rudy, from one Penn State alum to another. Proud to say this is my favorite daily podcast. Thank you. Question is, especially now that your seven-round mock just came out, how much sway does a QB like to have in who we draft? Do the coaches ask for his input for the direction of the team? <sighs> yeah, that's a great question. And I think each NFL team probably has a little bit of a different answer to that. I think Tua has to get some clout first. <laughs> I think he's got to get on the field and prove he can be what we think he's capable of being before the Dolphins start asking him his opinion. Um, but I definitely think it would be responsible for teams to get feedback from their players on, you know, the players that they trust on the, the roster at the skill positions, the players that they don't trust, maybe a missing component that that player thinks is, is needed to be added. And then the coaching staff and the front office can collaborate and try to find an agreeable piece to fit that puzzle as it's being built. So I definitely think the Dolphins will care what Tua has to say. Once Tua proves, yes, you're a franchise quarterback. And once that happens, um, I think they, they will look for collaborative feedback from him as far as how a player added would move the needle for two as a player. Uh, but I don't necessarily think you will see the Dolphins specifically say, hey, like, would you rather have Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle this offseason? And he gives you an answer, and they just go out and draft that guy this year. I don't think he's got enough weight with, with his perspective this early on for him. Miami Eddie. This one dropped on Tuesday. Great show. If X Howard comes in and plays good after another surgery, I think the market will be set up perfectly to flip him for a two 
Now, with the first pick of the 2021 draft, the Dolphins could select Pat Sertain the second. Healthy, stronger, cheaper version, and you wipe X's money off the books for the same player. Your thoughts? I have really struggled personally this summer with X and his long-term status with this team. And the reason being is strictly related to the knee issues that he's had. Uh, I think if you could guarantee me X was going to stay, first of all, let's talk about some of the contracts that got handed out for cornerbacks over the last couple of days. This Xavier Howard deal was once a record-setting deal 12 months ago. You want to know where it ranks now? He's fifth on the list. Miami gave Xavier an average of $15 million annual average salary last summer. Of course, he misses the majority of the season. We hit free agency this year. The Dolphins give Byron Jones an average of 16 and a half. A week and a half later, Darius Slay gets traded to the Eagles. They give him 16.6. And then last week, Tredavious White from the Buffalo Bills signs his contract extension, and he gets an average of 17 and a quarter. And then yesterday, Jalen Ramsey got a five-year, $105 million contract for an average of $21 million. So Xavier Howard is making 75% of what the market is for the cream of the crop. This cornerback market is going to go freaking nuts. You've still got to pay Marshawn Lattimore. you still got to pay Marlon Humphrey, Denzel Ward, from the 2018 NFL draft will be eligible after this season for a contract extension. So this Davian Howard contract at 15 mil per season, yes, if he's going to continue to to struggle to stay healthy, it's going to be problematic, but relative to what the market is doing, this time next year, Xavier Howard's probably going to be a fringe top 10 paid corner in the NFL. So that's that's the good news as far as it pertains to Xavier Howard. The bad news is three knee surgeries in four years. And he's had surgeries on both his knees. And that's really scary. And when the Dolphins drafted Igbo at third, people asked me, does this mean Xavier Howard's on the fritz? And and I genuinely believe the Dolphins want to have an embarrassment of talent at the cornerback position. You can see how they have chosen to attack that position in its entirety. But that was before X came in and was on PUP. And he looks good right now. So maybe goes out and doesn't miss any time. And if that happens, then the Dolphins have to ask themselves this very difficult question. And, And this is a great question. Uh, by Miami Eddie, because I don't have an answer. There's no good answer here. You clearly want to reward Xavier Howard for buying into the process and the system and pay him to stay in Miami and retain talent, right? You don't want to get in that toxic cycle of what the Dolphins have done a lot of, which is just, you're out, you're out. Oh, we're going to draft you. You're good. Okay, cool. And now we're going to trade you somewhere else. And da, 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 da. Like we need to start having some sense of st- stability. That's the catch-22 with what the what trading Xavier Howard would do. At some point, you have to keep your homegrown talent in-house. But the injury concerns here are very, very real. I'm going to talk about Patrick Sertain, the second as well, uh, because he is a stud. 
first and foremost. But uh, before I do, NFL season kicks off today. So make sure you're ready for it and get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and the breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place, and NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game all season long. You'll learn from some of the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So the second part of Miami Eddie's question pertains to Patrick Sertain II. And Patrick Sertain II, uh, according to my colleagues over at the Draft Network, my, and including myself, to be completely honest, on the scouting staff here, uh, is generally considered to be a top 10, top 15 type of talent. Uh, all the... F- physical gifts that you could possibly want obviously has a very good family pedigree that is attached to South Florida. And if that was the direction that the dolphins decided to go, say hypothetically Miami's first pick comes at 10 and they choose this player. I wouldn't hate it. And the reason why I wouldn't hate it, if you give up X, you get an extra two, you take his replacement with his first pick. Certain being the answer that fills that void is not a proposition that I would hate. And the reason being the top 10 of this year's draft is going to be such a weird collection. I've been doing simulations for the Dolphins for the 2021 NFL draft nonstop, and they have two top 10 picks based on Super Bowl odds. So don't get mad at anybody over at the Draft Network. It's just based off of the bet online Super Bowl odds. And you got Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, Micah Parsons, Justin Fields, Jamar Chase, top five. Trey Lance, another quarterback. Greg Rousseau at seven. Dylan Moses at eight. Caleb Farley. Like, if any one of these guys in the top five is eligible, it makes it a, a pretty common sense pick, but two of the three are quarterbacks. So you've got Penny Sewell, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase. The only one that's ever generally around is Micah Parsons. And then you ask yourself, linebacker value, top five overall, is that right? And I can get behind it. It's fine. But then you continue to go down, and it's like, if we don't think Greg Rousseau at edge is a home run fit, for the Dolphins because of their style of play or, or because Rousseau's a little bit more of a raw prospect that gets by on athletic traits. Everybody else that's available, like if you, you're picking 10, it's like, do you take a center Creed Humphrey at 10? Wide receiver two, Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith? Like ideally, I'm not taking these guys at 10. Pat Sertain the second high-value position, a position we know the Dolphins are going to covet. 
I can at least get on board with that proposition. Switching gears to Twitter questions. Question from Bob. Seems Dolphins like to lock players up they want to keep. Should we look into the fact that God Chow hasn't been extended yet? My gut tells me they think he could be replaced with a draft pick instead of paying him six to $8 million a year. Uh, yes, I, I do think we should read into this because from a character and locker room perspective and a work ethic perspective, Devon Godshaw is everything the Dolphins want in a human being to be in their locker room and be a part of their organization. But he wasn't voted a team captain. And I'm not going to say that you know that's not an indictment. And, and Brian Flores himself, when he was talking about the captain, said, you know, even if you're not voted a captain, that doesn't mean it absolves you of having leadership responsibilities. But at the same time, the Dolphins' defensive captains, two of the three were guys that were brought over from New England in the offseason, in Elaine and Robertson, Kyle Van Noy. Gotchell's been here. He's been the guy in-house. And at the end of the day, Gotchell doesn't make negative plays happen. He's a rock-solid role player up front but Devon Godshaw does not make splash plays. So what do you pay that guy? If Devon is going to ask for, you know, Bob's price point here listed at 6 to $8 million, you can, I'm going to draft a guy in the second round and ask him to do the exact same role, or maybe I go out and I get a true nose tackle, Tyler Shelvin from LSU. And then I've got Raquan Davis, and Christian Wilkins is my defensive ends with a true 350-pound nose tackle in the middle of that. And I I can get that guy probably in the early second round. And now all of a sudden, you know, instead of paying Devon $6 million, yeah, he's going to get like a fraction of that. I do think that's a, a until an extension is done, I think it's absolutely something we need to have on our radars being a possible outcome. T. Coop, does it concern you at all that Tua seems to be into his brand a lot when taking into consideration his new documentary coming out and the many advertisements he does, or is just this, this just the way us millennials do things now? Is Tua a millennial? Is he a Gen Z? I can never keep track. I get accused of being both on the Twitter.com all the time. <laughs> um... And, and two is obviously a lot younger than I am. Um, it's a reality of life that I've come to accept. I'm 31. It's a weird adjustment for us to have somebody who's so relevant in the national landscape as Dolphins fans because we haven't had this player. We haven't had a player like Tua, and that's part of the excitement around Tua. And from Tua's perspective, I mean, look, the guy's had a couple of injury issues that have been well-documented. And I understand it from his perspective. He's in his rookie contract. He's a red-hot college football star and one of the most compelling stories of the NFL. And he has a great story to tell. And to attach his name and his story to other brands, brands are going to want to do that. And from Tua's perspective, you know, heaven forbid, Tua durability becomes an issue and he doesn't last in the long term, in the, the scope of the NFL. He's not a decade starter in the NFL. You can bet he would have wished he took advantage of when his name 
could have been attached to brands and he could have been a household name to market himself and maximize his value if he didn't. So I get why he's doing it. Is it concerning? As long as you know the playbook, I don't care what you do off the field. But T. Coop, absolutely, the fact that he has the platform that he has and the social profile that he does, brands are going to jump all over that. As long as he continues to be one of the most energizing and popular young talents in the game, you're going to continue to see brands attempt to tie to him. Uh, Charlie, I absolutely hate the new logo. I remember the first time they leaked the uniforms, I thought they were just a concept. Why are all these sports teams changing logos and uniforms to make them look worse? I think the big thing for the Dolphins with their new uniforms is uh, owner Stephen Ross wanted to usher in his own chapter as the owner of the team. If I were the Dolphins, I'd rock those throwbacks every single week. That's what I would do. And I'd go back to it, and I would rock retro look every single game. I'd paint the stadium retro. I'd try and get back to the Orange Bowl vibe. You know, maybe once the coronavirus pandemic is over, we can get seats a little closer to the field and get real rowdy in there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about the new logo either, Charlie, to be completely honest with you. It's grown on me a little bit, but if I had my choice, I would absolutely go back to, like, the early 90s, 1980s logo. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the past 20 years. So whether you're looking for new brake parts, taillights, motor oil, new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are exactly the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and make sure you write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Without further ado, my friends, I do want to roll into the Locked On Patriots crossover series. So here is a little bit of what you need to know about the New England Patriots entering our week one contest. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins here, joined by Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. And we are digging into everything related to Dolphins at Patriots. Week one, the 2020 NFL season is here. And Mike... As I look at, at all the changes that the New England Patriots have endured throughout the course of this offseason, especially, I'd be curious now that things have settled a little bit, we've had the chance to work our way through training camp. What are some of the prominent surprises for New England coming out of camp that maybe either weren't expected or players stepping into roles? Who are the new names that might surprise Dolphins fans based on being used to seeing so many of the same familiar faces for the Patriots that won't be a part of the picture in the here and now for New England. 
Well, there have been a lot of surprises in New England. I think Miami's biggest surprise is not seeing number 12 under center, which is something that's a surprise for everyone when you look at the New England Patriots. But you start with number 12 and you start with number one when it comes to the answer to your question, and that is Cam Newton. Cam Newton was quite the pleasant surprise this year in training training camp. That's very odd to say about a former NFL MVP with the pedigree and the resume of Cam Newton, but he's come in and commanded the respect, the attention, and the loyalty of his teammates in such a quick, short order. He's the type of guy that players enjoy playing with. He's the type of player that loves to get his teammates involved, and you're seeing it. Uh, he, the energy that he brings to the practice fields is something that's been electric, and teammates are really, really starting to bond with Cam. On the field, he's showing the ability to be able to roll out, to facilitate the passing game, something that I don't think he gets enough credit for. Uh, the ability to extend plays with his legs. That's a dimension that New England quarterbacks have not had in quite some time. And I say that with every reverence to Tom Brady, but it just wasn't a part of his game. Cam does bring that to the game, to, to his, uh, uh, his game. And you have to recognize and respect his ability to be able to do that. So I've been very impressed by what I've seen with Cam. Uh, another guy that I love to to sing the praises of on Locked On Patriots is Gunnar Rashelski. And anybody, any Miami fan listening to this that's a fan of Spaceballs, I love to put out the meme, the who made that man a gunner, dark helmet standing there. If you've <laughs> seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But all kidding aside, Gunnar Rashelski has come in quicker. He's come in heavier. He's come in more looking like a pro-wide receiver. He's been very quick out of the block. He's able to utilize that between-the-numbers passing game to his advantage. He could be a factor this year in uh, uh, the Patriots uh, uh, receiving game in the running game. It's a little bit tough for me to say this, but Damian Harris, who is actually on injured reserve and will miss this game. Uh, we won't see him for at least three weeks, uh, but Damian has really come up big and really made strides to almost challenge Sony Michelle for the number one running uh, back on this roster. He has an adept knowledge of being able to find holes. Uh, he can be that early down back uh, that, sort of a feature back threat, but he's also very adept at catching the ball out of the backfield. So he's been a nice, pleasant surprise on the defensive side of the ball. Two guys have really stood out for me. One is the rookie safety, Kyle Duggar. Everybody expected Duggar to come in and make contributions, but he's really adapted and found a niche within this defense, and he's learned it very quickly. Even Bill Belichick has remarked about how quickly Kyle's been able to um, adapt to this defense, learn it, and be able to be in the right place at the right time. You mentioned Patrick Chung earlier, and Duggar has really emerged as the type of tight of um, safety that can cover tight ends, that can be physical, even drop up into coverage and be that hybrid linebacker that uh, Patrick Chung was at times. So he's been a pleasant surprise. Another guy that's really taken a lot of advantage of the opportunities he's been given is second-year defensive tackle Byron Cowart. Cowart is someone that came in last year, uh, kind of a lumbering type body, uh, was pretty good at the pass rush, really wasn't very adept at having quickness to stuff the run. He's come in this year and taken the, uh, the place of not only the Departed um, Danny Shelton, who's now in Detroit, but also Bo Allen, who hasn't seen the practice field at all due to injury. He's come in and be a pretty adept tackle in the middle of that interior defensive line. So those are the guys that have stood out for me. And if Dolphins fans are looking for surprises on the field, I'd keep an eye on those four names, even though. Cam is going to get the lion's share of the praise and the coverage. He's still been a very pleasant surprise considering the situation he had to come into. Mike, I'm glad you spent a lot of time focusing on Cam because one of the big 
curiosities that Dolphins fans have is how this Patriots offense is going to look and try to weaponize Cam Newton. And obviously Josh McDaniels has spent the vast majority of his career in New England, but one of the few stops that he had along the way that was not in New England was when he went to Denver and he had an opportunity to prioritize a quarterback that had a running dynamic to his game in Tim Tebow. And of course, that's not to compare Cam Newton to Tim Tebow, but rather you think about Tom Brady's style of play. You think about how Carolina had so much success with Cam Newton for so long, utilizing him in the power run game for the quarterback and in the zone read game. How excited does Josh McDaniels feel to be able to implement some of these new pages of a playbook that really he hasn't had a chance to touch in all over a decade? Uh, very excited. And you can hear it in Josh's voice. And look, there were no two people on this Patriots coaching staff and roster that were closer as player and coach than Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. There was a tremendous synergy between these two guys. But Josh is looking at this now as a new challenge and the ability to expand his play calling duties. And that's something that I think you're going to see not just on Sunday, but throughout the year. I mentioned facilitating the passing game, giving Cam the option of being able to get it down the field or extend plays with his legs, utilizing play action. I think that's something that a lot of people don't believe will be a part of the Patriots arsenal this year. I think Cam is very adept at being able to do that. And he has one of the best pass catching backs in the league at being able to facilitate that in James White, especially at the beginning when Cam is still learning this offense, still molding this offense in his own image. I think he's going to rely heavily on guys like James White that can catch the ball out of the backfield and then move it downfield. Uh, and it gives the, the team another dimension at this point. But Josh is a very uh, unique and very creative play caller. You're going to see some mix-ups. You're going to see some situations where uh, it may disguise and look like Cam is going to take off. And you may see him drop back and pass. Uh, maybe even some trick plays. You know, Josh is definitely not uh, shy about throwing those in. We We've seen him do that effectively before. We've seen situations where it hasn't worked to his advantage as well. So I'm sure he'll pick his moments when it comes to that. But uh, I think this opens up a lot uh, for Josh to be able to uh, to make plays. The biggest question mark on offense, Kyle, is the receiving core and whether or not they're going to be up to the challenge. Julian Edelman is the lone known commodity on this roster, uh, but he's 34 years old and he's already dealing with some wear and tear. Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird, I expect them to be the top complementary options uh, in the passing game. But as well, you look at these guys and there's not a lot of battle tests there. Damir Bird is coming off of one season where he was pretty prolific as a receiver. But prior to that, he was known primarily as a special teams guy. Can he carry the load? Uh, Nikhil Harry missed half the season last year and was very ineffective. He's going to have to come in and really step it up in order for the Patriots passing game to be effective. And you've got a lot of inexperience at the tight end position. So to me, that's the only question mark with Josh. Uh, I think he's going to have to be careful at the beginning really make sure these guys in camera are on the same page before he starts opening up the playbook. In the meantime, again, I look for play action. I look for the running game to facilitate and I look for Cam to take the, the ball uh, himself into his own hands at times. Uh, I don't think there's uh, any shame in that. And I think Cam is still capable of doing it. Mike, how big of a loss do you feel the opt out of Donta Hightower can be for this Patriots defense when you consider some of the other pieces they lost this offseason? 
Uh, that was a tough, tough loss for the Patriots. And one of the big reasons why is not even so much because of the prowess that Dante brings on the field. And he does. He's one of the best at his position. But when you look at the um, leadership that he provides in being the defensive signal caller, essentially the quarterback of that defense. That's a very tough loss for a, a unit to take. And especially knowing that younger players uh, like a Juwan Bentley, who has a lot of promise, uh, but doesn't have a lot of field experience, uh, linebackers, rookie linebackers like Joshua Uche and Anthony Jennings that are coming in and now expected to be uh, significant members of this uh, defense and really show their range and their flexibility. That's something that is a concern. Um, in terms of how, especially guys like Uche and Jennings, who are really going to take on the actual role itself uh, of trying to uh, to help, um, you know, quell the the loss of Dante Hightower, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Bentley can carry the load of being the offensive, the de- excuse me, the defensive signal caller. We've seen him do that in the past, but it's a lot to put on a guy's shoulders to have to shoulder all of the load. Um, a lot is going to be placed on the rookies, and I think what you're going to have to do is watch how the Patriots respond to different personnel groups. Um, Chan Gailey is very well known for running different personnel groups. So this is going to be a pretty big litmus test for the New England Patriots, a very diverse and a very adept Dolphins offense at being able to run so many different types of of plays. They've got receivers. uh, They can utilize the fullback. uh, They've got different types of running backs, tight ends, all types of skill sets that you can see with the Dolphins. They're going to throw it at this Patriots defense. So it really is going to be a trial by fire for guys like Uche and Jennings and Bentley to really be able to take that role this weekend. If they can withstand this punch early on, then I think they have a shot to uh, to do something special and maybe even carry the load in Dante's absence. But they will miss his veteran leadership. There's no question about it. That's one thing that can't be duplicated. And there you have it, folks. That is the good word on the New England Patriots, the good word on the Miami Dolphins. This week one matchup quickly approaching I'm sure one of us will certainly be very gentle with their trash talk come Monday morning, Mike, but (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if I got a DM from you in a Patriots win scenario. And I wouldn't be surprised if I end up sending you a DM in a Dolphins win scenario. So (laughs) a little friendly divisional rivalry here in the AFC East, all in good fun, especially a game that's so early in the season when we are just happy and thrilled to have football back as a part of our weekly routine. I am Kyle Krabs with Mike debate, and we are very thankful that you guys have carved some time out of your day to listen to this special crossover between locked on dolphins and locked on Patriots. And we hope you guys enjoy the game this weekend.